Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So in case you ain't no so and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week we have Tua making his preseason debut. UD is coming back for the heat, and we got a lot going on in the world of combat sports, plus hundredth episode preview. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Yo, yo, yo. Sloppy work. A bump of the soundboard. Yeah, big time. But not, <laughs> and I and I had you on mute, brother. <laughs> oh, so I couldn't even describe what, what I just said. No, sir. No, sir. But everybody heard it. So what's up, my we dog? The music playing in the background. So, man, we're just a little bit of a mess today for we're, this episode. We're killing it. We're killing it. This is what happens when you leave me with my own devices, man. Well, I'm sorry, man. It's been a long <laughs> last couple of weeks here. Um, I mean, I'm glad to be back home for sure, I mean, brother. We're not in studio together, but I'm glad we're at least doing this. Um, you know, this podcast on Zoom and not like last week. I kind of missed out on the rest of the show after the first like 10 15 minutes. Yeah, bro, that was weird. You were there me, chilling with me and Jesse, and then all of a sudden you were out of there, and it was like, man, what the hell's going on with freaking Joel? This guy's gone, he doesn't want to hang out, do the episode. I see you slacking over there, but, dog. Uh, I was in a hotel in the middle of the hood in Pensacola. And Yeesh. that Wi-Fi was a little a little suspect, to say the least. But well, we got to get you out of those Moto 6s, dog, and put you in like a Marriott or something like that, a little bit nicer, dog. Uh, I'm going to be at the Ritz-Carlton from now oh, on, Oh, shit. All right, Plies. All right, Plies, Mr. Ritz-Carlton. Oh. And I'll vote the plug twice. Hey, so but it's good. Good to see you, dog. It's always good to see you, my brother. And we had a lot to look over this weekend, right? Um, had a lot of sports. What an action-packed weekend, right? Anthony Joshua versus Usyk. Um, we had uh, UFC 278, right? Usman versus Leon Edwards for the second time. We had Dolphins playing. We had the Marlins on the West Coast. Uh, we got a decision this weekend, like from UD, and it's just a jam-packed weekend, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, we had definitely got a lot to talk about. But before we get into all of that, I just want to remind anybody that is listening that our newest 365 video is out, the championship game. Yes, sir. Bombs over Baghdad and the Empire. What a game. No spoilers, but hell of a game. I won't tell you guys who won. You got to tune in to check that out. Um, but it's up. It's up right now on the YouTube page. So make sure you go check that out. Absolutely. And it's worth watching, guys, because like I said, no spoilers, but it's a hell of a game. Um, a hell of a game is not what we got last week, man. This past weekend with the Dolphins taking on the Raiders kind of lackluster, but at least we saw Tua get the start. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't impressed with what he had. Granted, it's it's tough because you don't have your running backs. You don't have Tyreek Hill out there. Jaden Waller was out. But Tua didn't look that great. What do you think about his performance that day? I mean, I mean, what what, what would you expect from the couple of uh, series that he got? You know, do you yeah. expect much, especially without, like you said, Tyreek Hill and his starters and and the full scheme? I mean, we you know we come out first drive, not, don't really get much going, um, and then he plays I think another drive or two. I can't really remember. I was a, a yeah. little top like two time. series, three series. You know, so it's kind of, you know, going back to last week's episode, you know, I thought he was going to play a half. Uh, Jesse said he wasn't going to play at all. Uh, I can't remember what you had predicted, but it was kind of somewhere in the middle. He didn't really play a quarter. He just kind of played a couple drives. He was six for eight, had 58 yards. Um, that's a 75% completion percentage. 
you know, looked good. He looked good. He, his motion looks good. He has some good zip on the ball. Um, for what it was, I thought it looked all right. The, the biggest takeaway for me was that he did get to play because right. he had asked to play after he had thrown a few interceptions in practice. He wanted to get some of that, just get that game feel, that game speed, just get on the field, which I think was good. Awesome. There was nothing to lose there, right? Right, you need and, it. Um, he needed that. And then at the same time, and I don't know if you saw, but he was out there early on the field by himself, yeah. kind of doing that little walkthrough where he was just kind of mentally visualizing, you know, what the what the field was going to look like, what plays were going to look like. And, I mean, if anybody else does that, I think it's kind of corny, but <laughs> not when my QB1 does it, though. I love that. I mean, I think I think it's still kind of corny, right? Like, I'm, I'm just going to call it is what it is, right? It is kind of corny. But that's the kind of stuff that really hypes it up for everybody else. And then when the performance doesn't not necessarily match that, right? But, like, when we don't see an amazing throw or somebody get open where he can rip it and make a, a throw down field or something like that, it kind of takes a little bit away from that shine, you know? And I'm not saying that Tua played bad. He had his good moments. He had some okay moments. But it's not easy when you're playing with a mishmash of offensive linemen like he did and we saw last year and obviously missing weapons. Um, That shit makes a big difference. But I I like that Cedric Wilson stepped up and got to play with him and get some rhythm, right? Uh, We see the emergence of a couple other guys, Gusecki, uh, back to work, right? I I feel like this is going to be a very interesting season for him because, you know, I I saw a little bit more of an emphasis on their play calling to have him blocking more, right? Which is weird that he's willing to do that now. I'm guessing he's – trying to be here for the long run or at least make himself more valuable if he hits the free agent market next year more than anything the one thing that stood out to me was the running game right the running game was not impressive at all right we saw Ahmed get a majority of the carries uh Gaskin got some a couple of runs there but we didn't really commit to it right we only had 18 carries as a team and we threw the ball a lot more didn't even have a guy over 25 yards how, how does that make you feel knowing that the running back game was so weak for us last year and now it's still looking like it needs help? Granted, our main guys aren't playing, but how does it look? It's two things. I mean, uh, or a couple of things here. You know, we don't have our main guys. So we had Ahmed had the, the majority of carries at five carries. Right. No commitment to the game. No commitment to the running game. Whereas, you know, versus we had, what, almost 40 pass attempts. 38 pass attempts to uh, nine, what's that, it was 13, 16, you know, it's like two to one on the runs to the pass. Right. We're not committing to it. We're, we did get a lot of guys the ball. There's two, four, six, seven different guys that got the ball, including Miles Gaskin and Chase Edmonds got a couple carries. He was out there early. Yep. Sony Michelle, we saw a couple carries for no gain. Um, I think two things there, they're, they're trying to still figure that out in practice, right? They don't know right. who their main guy is. They, they're still trying to get a feel for what they got back there. They got to cut down a bunch of these guys now from what they got to 80 players before ultimately going down to the 53-man roster in a couple weeks here. So they're trying to you know figure out who the, the bottom of the barrel is right now. I figure they have a pretty good idea who their one, two, and maybe even three is, and they just try to figure out who that four is. And at the same time, another feeling I have is that Mike McDaniels doesn't want to give it all away. Doesn't want to. He wants to focus on the quarterback situation. We saw all three of our QBs. We saw Tua, Skyler Thompson, and, and Bridgewater. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And you know, T- Teddy was a little a little concerning for me. I didn't really like what I saw out of Teddy. I mean, he he was ten for twenty, one hundred nineteen yards, 
You know, he he had one sack in the end zone where he got sacked, and he tried to throw it away. Terrible decision. Exceptional grounding, and it ended up being a, a safety. safety. We lost fifteen to three. So, safety's two points. You can do the math, right. you know. <laughs> and more than anything, whoa, no cough button. If if anything, like he didn't impress. You know, and that game could have been a battle for the backup position because Skyler Thompson went out there on the other hand and looked pretty decent yet again for a second week, right? Where it's like, man, this kid doesn't knock your socks off, okay? But there are things that you have seen from him that you can point out and say, you know what, I can make this stronger. I can make him better at this. I can make him better at this, especially if I continue to feed him into our system, right? I don't know, man. It's 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 very, very tight race right there i would say for that second spot because i was listening today and they might keep three quarterbacks on the roster so teddy bridgewater has to be looking over his shoulder oh we we definitely will and but that's the thing i'm glad you brought it up man because he did impress yet again i mean he looked good in that first game where he got a lot of play time and then this play time was kind of cut down and and think about it bro i mean you get two to start the game get a couple drives in them and then teddy plays the game yeah and then now you're down in the game third string and they're like, yo, do your thing. <laughs> Go oh, out there. Did. Have a game. <laughs> he had a touchdown. Nine for 10, 129 yards and a touchdown. A 90, 90% completion percentage. I mean, granted, we lost, but it wasn't, it wasn't the kid's fault. If maybe he, if he was in there instead of Teddy, who knows how that game might have resulted. Oh, yeah, so for sure. It's very interesting going into the regular season. I, I definitely think it, it, they'll keep three QBs. I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, it would be smarter considering – I hate to say it, Tua is a little injury prone, and we know Teddy is a little injury prone, and we'd be smart to keep, obviously, one of our guys that we drafted this year. But the fact that he's looking like this through two games so far in the preseason, I mean, it looks good. I'm not going to get too excited for it. It's just preseason, like I'm saying, but leading indicators are – or thumbs up. Thumbs up for sure, especially between that battle, right? Because it's like I said, it's a battle for second for that second QB jump, and that doesn't hurt, man. Because if Skyler Thompson is able to go out there and earn it over a guy like Teddy B, who's a, a known winner in this league, has done really good things in this league, that just and shows. A Miami guy. Yeah, and a Miami guy, right? That just shows that Skyler Thompson has something. Um, not to say that enough to challenge Tua, because I don't think he does. But it's nice to have a good backup. It's nice to have those guys feeling competitive. And, you know, you mentioned the byproduct of, of Skyler Thompson was uh, our rookie uh, wide receiver, Eric Enzukanma. Like that? just, all right, so we're going to just call him Easy Money. How's easy that? Money. Sounds good you to me. But right. it's, Sorry about that. And, you all know. Right, you're good. But yeah, six catches, 114 yards, man. With a 34-yard play. Uh, that's That's the type of stuff that I'm like, huh. If this guy is doing this in the game, imagine with a good quarterback throwing it to him, right, like Tua, against a third, fourth, fifth string guy that he'd be going up against, or maybe a linebacker who can't really cover him or match him body type for speed. That kid, easy money looking really nice, man, and I feel like he's going to be a big-time steal for the Dolphins, which would bode well for Chris Greer and his continuation of finding you know, those gems in the rough. You know, we saw it with Jalen Phillips last year. Even though Jalen Phillips had a big name, you know, there was a lot of questions about his ability to last in the NFL. And he's turned into a model NFL player. You know, I'm, I'm thinking the same from Eric, where he's going to be able to bounce back from his injury and really be a productive guy for us, man. What a what a department right there in that wide receiver room, bro. Bro, this is it's unprecedented, man. We haven't had, I don't think we've had a receiver room like this. Ah, in a while. 
And then on top of that, you got Wes Welker coaching these guys, bro. I mean, what a combination. I know you saw that real, bro. And him him and his energy that he brings to the squad, I, I really feel is going to elevate the guys, right? Like, I'm not worried about Tyreek Hill. I'm not worried about Waddle. But all those other guys, right, Wilson, uh, Brown, like we talked about, uh, Eric, Easy Money, all those guys, they're benefiting, man, because they're just learning from a guy who's a world champion, who's been there before, knows what it takes to be at that level, and he's a fun guy to be around, too. So he's going to be able to not only coach you really hard, but also, you know, enjoy your your success on the field with you to kind of help continue to motivate. Man, that wide receiver room is going to be sick, 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 sick. You know, something that that I wanted to touch on before before we wrap up or start to head to wrap up with the Dolphins, man. The defense, the defense with with the injuries that we've had, they've been holding their own, right? Which is expected. Usually the defense comes to gel a little bit more quicker than the offense, right? There a lot of familiarity on this defense. But that cornerback position, man, we mentioned it. We've talked about it. We've talked about Noah. I, th- I really feel like we got to go out there and make a move. I-, I saw the 49ers go out there and sign a veteran cornerback um, who was waiting in the wings. He got cut from the Bears. I'm, I'll look up his name now. But I- 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 every day that goes by that I hear something else about Noah Igbenabi, and look how good I'm saying his name, that, that I'm listening to it so much. Every time that I hear his name being mentioned, it's in a negative way, bro, and I hate that for him as a person, but... Man, as a player, when you're getting torched like that, it's easy to to, to be a target, right? Yeah. So no, Noah's a converted wide receiver, right? So he used to be a wide receiver in right. college. We converted him to to a cornerback. And what what's said about the guy is he's one of the hardest working guys in the locker room, right? He, Great he guy. wants he wants to figure it out, right? He has a good work ethic and he wants to do his part. He's a team player. But, man, seeing this guy get burned over and over again off the line and just not have the wherewithal to know, like, you know what I mean? Like, that instincts, that, that cornerback instinct, I don't think that's something that you can teach. Yeah. If you're used to – I mean, it's as you know, as, as counterintuitive it might seem that, like, you, if you can run the routes, you should be able to cover the routes. That's not the case, man. I've always said, you know, the cornerback position is one of the most difficult positions in all of football. Because of how athletic you got to be, you got to cover one of the most athletic people, and you got to do it backwards. Right. So it's 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 a very very technical position, and that's why the guys that do it well are now getting their money. Right. They're getting paid. We just saw, you know, uh, I forgot what everybody got paid. Man, the craziest uh, contracts. <clears throat> and um, you know what, man, he's it, trying. That's great and all, but you know, it, how many more time? You know, how many more times are we gonna let them score on us? I mean, he, there was a touchdown that got scored early on in this game and it was on Noah. Yeah. Don't like one of their only touchdowns. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's rough, man, because we feel for him. Like I said, as a human, right. As a person, like we know that he's going through some things. He's trying really hard. Like you said, he has all the athletic ability in the world. He's very talented, but he just can't seem to put it together. And that's a very disadvantaged position to be in because, when you're a defender, especially a cornerback, you're on an island. And being on that island has that spotlight, you know. And um, I don't know if the Dolphins and Chris Gear have figured something out what to do there. Not necessarily cut them because we'll, we'll need the bodies, right? We know that Byron Jones has an injury. Uh, we saw Trill go down. So it's good to have the, the reps there. But, 
man, we really need that guy to to step up here and and figure out a way to put it together. You know, I, I absolutely agree. If not, we need to go find some other help, man. Because yeah, it's not yeah, big time. Uh, something that I wanted to mention, bro. Uh, should we tell the people about what we got going on on the weekends and where we're gonna be bringing them on a weekly basis? Uh, sure. I think this is now is as good a time as ever. I think you you should do it while I go take care of something real quick behind the camera. Oh, okay. Thanks. So, yeah. So we're aside from our regular schedule of programming that you guys know and love. Uh, you know, we drop our our episodes normally Tuesdays, Tuesday mornings. Um, we are going to be doing our Dolphins uh, coverage. Um, what well, our plan is, we're going to have not just myself and so, but we're going to have guests, uh, previous guests that we've had on the show, and some that you guys may have not had uh, heard yet. And we're going to break down the Dolphins games pretty much instant reactions as soon as they happen or within an hour or so of it. So our takes are as fresh as possible and our reactions are are live for the most part. So um, I'm back. Yeah. yeah. I just filled them all in, man. So Perfect. Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins the Dolphins show on the – after game, post game, you know, we don't have an official name for it. We're going to announce that as we get closer to week one kicking off um, after Labor Day weekend and all that good stuff. But it's going to be a great show for you guys to tune in and really get our opinions on how we saw the game go down, right? Big moments that happened in the game and, you know, kind of share some of those same frustrations or whatnot that you guys see during the games as well. Now, the interesting about that is that we'll be paying attention to our Twitters, right, where you guys can tweet at us throughout the post game or during the game, things that you saw, maybe things that you want us to to talk about, and we'll bring it up and discuss it on the Dolphins post game show. And uh, yeah, something new to bring you guys on a week to week basis. Yeah, we're gonna drop be dropping them on uh, the RSS feed, so where you guys get the podcast now. Um, and also on YouTube, uh, we're going to be doing them, you know, via zoom. So it allows us to be able to, you know, just kind of turn this around a lot quicker for you guys. So it'll also be on YouTube. Absolutely. And you know what to do. You got to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to hit that subscribe, comment, and like button. It's that easy. Uh, let's move into some big news for Miami Heat fans, bro. Our homies coming back for a 20th season. Donis Haslam announced on Sunday at his alma mater high school, Miami Senior High. Shout out to Jaime Gutierrez and the Asylum. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And UD announced that he's coming back to play in his 20th season with the same team. A, a feat that's only been done by two other Hall of Fame basketball icons, right? One of them being Dirk Nowitzki, who pretty much changed the landscape of European basketball and what was expected from European players in the NBA. And uh, another one was a guy by the name of Kobe Bean Bryant. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. Just like rest, the in great, peace. rest in peace, you know, one of the greatest ever, literally the greatest, one of the greatest ever. Um, and UD is going to be up there with those guys mentioned as one of those guys who stayed solid, right? Stay firm, 10 toes down with the same organization through all the bad times, the good times, the the crying, the celebrating, the rafters, right? The zero attendance in a regular home season game. And I feel like, you know, over the last two, three years, a lot of people have disrespected UD and what it is that he brings to the table and what it is that he provides for this Miami Heat team. It's more than just being a player at this point for UD. You know, this guy is out there, number one, staying in shape at a ridiculous age, right, where he knows he's not playing every day. He knows he doesn't have to get ready or prepare mentally like that, 
But yeah, he does it to set the example for everybody else in the room, whether you're making 10 times as much money as he is or making 10 times less than he is. He's the one who sets the tone in that locker room. And he's always done it since the the day that he got here, you know, in 2003. What a what a player, you know, what a what a, a cornerstone for real of, of the franchise. And like for, for those people who wanted to get rid of him and say, oh, but what's his value? What's he bringing to the team? Like. His his whole thing is being for real, for real Miami Heat from top to bottom. This guy reps Dade County, reps South Florida in general, and he reps the Miami Heat in every single way that they want to be represented. So I'm happy he's coming back. Uh, I'm happy that he has this role and this love with the Heat, you know, and the Heat have shown him that because I feel like he obviously, dis- you know, has earned it. But I don't know, man. What do you think about UD coming back and, and those people who, you know, kind of don't want to see him come back? I mean, I don't think anybody doesn't want to see him come back. I mean, honestly, when he said he was coming back, I, it wasn't really much of a surprise, in my opinion, at least to me. Um, the, you know, there's no reason to not come back if you have the relationship that he has with the the, the city, the organization, the fan base. Um, you know, it just makes complete sense to, to go one more season and, and, you know, let's, let's make it a farewell tour, you know, even though, you know, you did mention a couple names there, Kobe and, and, and Dirk. And even though he might not be as prolific of a player in the sense that he right. wasn't, you know, uh, you know, a phenomenal scorer or, you know, the, the, an individual one-on-one player, he's always been a role player. You know, the numbers don't lie. The guy, you know, 20 years with the same organization, you know, he's a Miami guy, Florida guy, drafted by his hometown. You know, he has three NBA championships. He's been through, uh, I mean, I don't even know how many different people have come through that organization that he's been able to not only inspire, but mentor and coach, you know, from, you know, Mario Chalmers to Norris Cole to, you know, um, even uh, Dragon, you know what I mean? I'm sure, he, you know, he would say good things about UD as far as his leadership and how to be a leader and, and how to be a professional, right, a consummate professional in the NBA. And I'm absolutely, you know, ecstatic for him. We get one more year of, of the OG, um, you know, to so we can, you know, kind of pay our respect to him one last time. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I'm, I'm happy for him. I, I just – I think this is the last time we're going to see this. So I don't think there's going to be another player that's going Absolutely to get the opportunity. Not. The way that the basketball is trending, the sports are trending in general, you know, people are chasing the dollar. It's usually a business decision. We're not going to see another player go 20 years in a single organization. And that's why I think that also, you know, is a reason why that played into it for UD. I know he mentioned, it, you know, he was doing it for his dad and him and his right. dad had a conversation about it and they, they had, you know, he was doing it for him. <clears throat> but I mean, I would think about that too. Like, is this really ever going to happen again where a player is going to get the chance to play with the same organization for 20 years? I don't think so, bro. You make it, you make an excellent point, right? Where the NBA is heading, where the NBA is at right now, current present day, right? And where it's heading in the future, in the next 10, 20 years, it's definitely not where you're going to see people staying in place for 20 years, right? You're going to see people attempt it, right? We see Dame Littered uh, with his refusal to give up on Portland and, and he's got to get out of there. But we know, but exactly, you know, but we know that in order for him to win some type of championship, 
He's going to have to get out of there. Now, if he does and decides to be that fourth guy where he says, you know what, I'm just going to be here for life. Same thing with Curry. I'm just going to be here for life, you know, and I'll take the good with the bad. Yeah, it may happen, but it's very unlikely that those guys are going to make it to 20 years. You know, 20 years, same organization. That's not easy. And for you, like you said, UD is not that star athlete, right? He's not like he was the biggest, fastest, strongest player. Didn't, didn't have the best shot. His whole thing was work ethic. You know, and for a guy who leads the Miami Heat franchise in rebounds, you know, which is just pretty much a a hard working stat. You gotta be able to work hard to get every single rebound. You immediately I think of a guy like Dennis Rodman, Alonzo Mourning, Shaq. Those guys will gobble up rebounds. Gobble them up. You know what I mean? U D put in that work where he's like, I don't care if I score two points in the game, one point in the game. I'm going to grab me 15 rebounds. I'm going to grab me this rebound when we need to get it after a good defensive stop, right, in order to get our offense going or whatever the case may be. He's had such a pivotal role here and continues to have that, and I'm glad that that he ultimately made that decision to come back for the 20th year, man, uh, especially with the young – we can't forget his role as our enforcer for yeah, the last 20 years. For sure. You know, all of that shit, just that hard grit. You know what I mean? Again, you have Birdman for a little while there, Birdman yeah. Anderson, but UD's been the real enforcer for us for the, you know, the better half of two decades. We know that UD is who he is on and off the court, right? He's not a guy that you look at and be like, oh, yeah, I can mess with this guy. Nah, he doesn't look like he play games because he doesn't fucking play games. You know, he he looks like he care about his team is because he cares about people who he holds close. He's not one of those studio gangsters, quote unquote, right? He's a guy who walks it like he talks it. You know, he's not an aggressive man by nature, but he also ain't no punk. So for for those, a lot of those values, man. Again, it's hard to put a dollar sign next to it and say this is what it means. You know, his control of the locker room, his able, his ability to like control a guy like Jimmy. Bro, we saw it last year where they were going at each other on the bench. Who else has the the balls or can get up and say, Jimmy, you're wrong. I don't care if you make $40 million a year. You're wrong. And I'm telling you here in front of your face, in front of everybody here. That takes a certain type of person. You know, Tyler Hero ain't doing that. Duncan Robinson ain't doing that. You know, Mar- nobody. It takes a guy like it takes a guy like UD. You know what I mean? Um, and we've seen it with Wade. We've seen it with LeBron. We've seen it with everybody. Everybody who's played with with him. Uh, I don't know, man. UD. I don't even need that guy to get a jersey. You know, we know that his jersey is going to be hanging up in the rafters as soon as this year is done, right? And it'll be dope. I, I hope I get tickets to that game, where, right? Where we can, where he announces his retirement, and we can celebrate him properly down here in the three hundred five. But it was just really nice to get that piece of news, man. And even nicer than that was to see him and the rest of his high school teammates and uh, a documentary about his high school, Miami Senior High, and their basketball team in the 80s and 90s, uh, directed by our friend uh, Jaime Gutierrez, The Asylum. I, I encourage you guys to go check this out in the Coral Gables Art Center. It's a beautiful old school type cinema. It's very private, very inviting. And just a perfect setting to watch a movie like this that's all about the hard work and determination that uh, Shaky Rodriguez and Coach Frank Martin were able to to get have going there at Miami Senior High. Uh, you got to speak to Jaime today. Um, tell me kind of like what you got from him from the vibes before we drop the interview later on for everybody. No, man. Hell of a, hell of a dude, man. You know, Jaime is awesome. He's one of our favorite guests here on the show. 
Um, in, I mean, the guy, the guy couldn't be a better dude, man. He was getting on a flight to go, you know, down to your, uh, your neck of the woods or your That's other half neck of the woods. That's right. And, and, you know, he, the guy was kind enough to give us a few minutes, man, to, 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 to tell us about the, <clears throat> the movie, the asylum, you know, kind of talk to me about it a little, little bit. We got to, we got to chit chat about it. And, and man, Jaime's awesome, man. It was great to talk about it. I'm looking forward to going see, to see the film. Um, I wasn't able to go see it with you this weekend. It looked, looked awesome i mean the trailer looks great jaime did a great job um directing it and uh, uh yeah man i'm trying to get a little group to go out there friday friday it starts screening again at, at the coral gable cinema um but then you know one of the other things we talked about you'll see in the interview is the merch man that they got it looks you know, fire we, i gotta get me yeah. one of those asylum shirts bro yeah bro that's what i was gonna tell you me and you we gotta talk about getting some of that merch bro it looks dope and then all the proceeds are going to to the school too beautiful I, for that so it's a good it's for a good cause Great but yeah cause, man, man. Shout we'll out to have Biden, that interview man. should we plug that interview in right here nah let's do it at the end um just All to right. get just to recap real quick before we we wrap up the show we saw two pretty much big upsets in the world of combat sports right um the first one being in uh bare knuckle fighting championship in london i believe it was 29 um where mike perry was taking on michael van 27 27 mvp and platinum mike perry got the dub ultimate uh won a unanimous decision uh looked to be the better of the two fighters but how would you feel about that fight knowing what we know about him with our interview with our homie francesco um the champ ricky yeah, so, I mean, there's been a lot of hype around this fight. I mean, BKFC has been putting all their eggs in this basket right here. There's probably two of their highest profile named guys, right? They got Michael Venom Page, who at one point was you know was an up-and-coming uh, MMA fighter, and, you know, there, there was uh, talks of him being the next guy in line. And, you know, coming up against Mike Perry, who is – he has a, a mouth on him, you know what I mean? He yeah. makes a lot of, a lot of enemies, uh, like our boy Frank. You know, we know a little of the bad blood that there is there between the current champ in that division that these guys fought Correct. in with Francesco. Make sure you go check out that interview if you haven't. Um, or so, on so YouTube, holla. And, uh, you know, we know there's bad blood there. Um, but, you know, going back to this fight, a lot of blood, um, a lot of exchanges. You know, Perry took damage. Um, but in the end, he was able to do just a little bit more than, than MVP. You know, there was no knockout there for, for MVP. At the same time, Perry didn't knock out MVP either. True. So, you know, that that's something to, to, to say there. But uh, in the end, they went an extra round, and he ended up winning by, by, like, majority, like you said. But the interesting thing was that after the fight, you know, normally, you know, you win a fight like that, I'm thinking I'm going to go and challenge the, the champ. I want the belt in that division. And I don't think this man mentioned our boy Frank one time. Not once. And, you know, Frank made a good point of it on his Instagram post, right, where we saw Platinum Mike Perry um, shouting out a bunch of people, shouting out another organization. Like, come on, dude, you're you're fighting and you're in the middle of a BKFC ring, you know, in London on one of their biggest pay-per-view events, and you're deciding all this shit, and then you don't even call out the champ. I don't know, man. I think, in my opinion, he's ducking Frank. Uh, Frank, We saw Frank call him out in the interview again. Uh, go check that out. But I don't know. I was talking to Frank this weekend, and we're both hoping that something happens and the contract gets signed and these guys can meet each other in the in uh, the Hard Rock in November, where we're going to be at. Let's see. Uh, the other knockout that I wanted to talk about was the um, Usman fight versus Leon Edwards. UFC 278. 
had a big bang to the fight to the end of it. Uh, Usman dominating the fight. This was a a hell of a fight, bro. A hell of a fight. fight. You missed out. Absolutely, you missed out. Uh, Edwards, surprisingly, went out there and won the entire first round, was able to dominate Usman, uh, pretty much took him down for the first time in his career, broke a record doing that uh, in 16 fights. Usman had never been taken down. Leon Edwards was able to successfully do that in the first round, also mounted an attack after that takedown. So a very impressive start for Leon Edwards, but then we saw Usman settle in in the second round. And once yeah. he settled in, it was pretty much cruise control from there. He was able to pretty much do anything and everything he wanted to do to Edwards, whether it was standing up, take him down, defend takedowns, pretty much put on an all-around display until the fifth round. And right when that fifth round started, we knew that these guys were going to try to put it all on the line, right? Because Leon Edwards was down on all of the cards, Right. And people pretty much were counting him out of this fight, saying there's no way he's going to win this fight. How is he going to be able to pull it off against how dominant Usman has looked? And then with about four minutes left in the fifth round, right, a minute into the fifth round, he fakes a right hand punch, makes Usman duck to his right. And while he fakes that right punch, he's throwing a left vicious kick to the head, catches Usman flush in the face, knocks him out cold. I had never seen such a great knockout like that in a long time, especially when all the cards are against you, everything's against you. Tell me what you thought about that knockout in the exact moment. I mean, Hollywood couldn't wrote, wrote it any better, dude. Yeah, man. It was, I was talking to one of my buddies about it just a little while ago, and he was telling me, man, the worst was one of my friends who decided to get up with a minute and a half oh. left in that fifth round because he goes, I'm tired of seeing Usman win. <laughs> and he started walking out of the house when all of a sudden the whole house erupted and the guy turned around and went, what happened? Too late. Oh, Bro, I was watching it and same, same thing. You know, it, Usman was controlling the center of the ring after that first round. The first round we were like, okay, Edwards is in it. And then after that, it was like Usman time. It was the Usman we've seen for the last five, you know, fights or even more than that, right? Yep. And it looked like all hope was lost. Edwards was gassed. His corner was telling him, you got to get in there. You got to do something. You got to assert. Like, this is your last chance. You're yep. not going to win if it goes to the judge. This guy's won three rounds already, and he's winning this last round. You're, you're going to lose. Like, you got to do something. And, man, what a beautiful move. I mean, picture perfect faint with the – I mean, the kick was just out of a fucking movie, dog. Perfect timing. And he just slept him. I mean, he just hit the canvas. And like, like, didn't even like bounce back. Like, it took him a while to get up, man. And hell of a fight, hell of a win with it all on the line for what Edwards finish. to win that belt in that moment in front of all those people and against that champion that is Kamara Usman. All I gotta say is. I cannot wait for the trilogy. No, for sure. And you know what? A big, big shout out and congratulations to Leon Edwards as well, bro, oh, yeah. because he endured all that, you know, punishment, all that drama. You know, uh, he was fatigued towards the end of the fight. You could tell. And he knew that he had one shot to finish this fight, one shot, which was to knock Usman out. And he did it, man, with an impressive, very head kick. Um, we've never seen Usman A get taken down. We saw that for the first time, and we saw him get knocked out cold, cleanly. You know, nothing nothing out of the ordinary, Out of like, as far as did he set him up, did he not set him up? It was a perfect kick to the head and a perfect knockout. And then I felt bad for Usman a little bit because you could tell that after the knockout, he knew he got knocked out because he was like, he saw Herb Dean, he was like, no way, dude, no way, tell me this didn't happen. And he was like, yeah, buddy. 
It happened. You got knocked out, man. Yeah, Rough. man. Uh, and then, you know, that that was kind of what we were hoping that George Masvidal would be able to pull out in his fight. And uh, he, he wasn't. And he lost to Usman twice. Twice. And now he still, he got in the mix throwing his name in there saying he wants to fight Edwards now. Bro, I love you, doggy, but you don't even Sit this right one now. out. Sit this one out because it's Just like Leon. Out, Leon said it. You, you got to win a fight to come get me, man. So yeah, we'll, man. we'll go from there. Uh, but let's wrap this up, man. We'll throw the Jaime interview right now and kick it to the people. Uh, before everything, make sure to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend. Hit that subscribe, like, and comment button on YouTube. We're dropping a lot of stuff for you guys there. And we have the 100th episode next week. You're going to make sure that you tune into that because we got a lot of big things planned for you guys. Great conversation some surprise guests you don't know but until next time y'all peace all right ladies and gentlemen uh joining me today uh again friend of the show is uh Jaime Gutierrez who's the content and digital uh communications manager at FIBA is that right yeah correct correct that's my current role that's a that's a proper title yeah. Uh, I like friends of the show better. You know, I like to use that. But oh, yeah. sure, uh, for sure. Most recently added to the resume is uh is director of the Asylum film, um, yeah. which is a story uh around the Miami High team in the 90s, which is dominant and the building in which they played. Is, is that right? Yeah, man. So the, the story basically is the Miami High uh documentary uh called The Asylum. It basically takes a look back at, um, you know, the the dominant teams that were in the late 80s, early 90s, even to the late 90s, uh, obviously with the legendary Shaky Rodriguez, um, who passed away. But he was obviously, you know, big, big name there. Um, and then Frank Martin, who took over for a very long time, you know, with Miami High, you know, and obviously um, they created a, a culture. They created a great program. They created uh, tons of NBA players and college players and just good people in general that came out. Awesome, man. Yeah. And I saw over the weekend, you guys, I think, held the premiere or a screening for it. And that's also, yeah. was that? How yeah, was that? Correct. So, yeah, correct. So we just finished on Saturday a, a, a screening, um, you know, for the for the public. That's when we started. Um, it was sold out. Um, obviously, a lot of people wanted wanted tickets early. Um, but now um, we're going to be transitioning into um, starting this week, late this week. Um, we're going to be having more showings at the Coral Gables Art Cinema. Uh, and it's going to give it a run about uh, six or seven days. And, you know, people who go check it out, people who go on the GableCinema.com, I think, website and go purchase your tickets, you know, um, and, you know, go check out the film. Uh, we appreciate the support. We appreciate it um, very much. Obviously, being a local story, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of interest behind it. Yeah, no, definitely, man. I mean, and one of South Florida's favorite players. I mean, I, I would think, I think I speak for, you know, our generation, you know, growing up, Udonis Haslam, you know, he's a yeah. staple, you know, just, just this past Sunday, he announced he's coming back for his 20th season with the Miami Heat. Mm -hmm. And he came from, you know, Miami High. He was part, you know, of that, that legacy. So um, how was it, you know, kind of having him, I saw in the trailer, you know, he's a part of the film, obviously he's part of the, the people you guys interviewed. How, how was that experience? I know you and UD kind of go back a little bit. Yeah, so you know, obviously, I met UD through through this process, you know, from other people that that I knew from way back in the day. But now, he man, he's been he's been wonderful. You know, he's been he's been so generous to kind of uh you know help guide the film and promote the film as well. You know, kind of give it its its life. You know, within his fans, you know, that kind of always want to look back at where he came from, how he got that grit. You know, where where he got 
that that fight in him, you know, that dog, you know, that mentality. So obviously it takes him back or it takes everybody back to the asylum, you know, where um, Coach Frank, you know, and his teammates, Brent and Silbrin, you know, and Bo Furby and Johnny Gove, all these guys that all were part of that team, where they got that, you know, from Coach Martin, you know. So it takes everyone back, you know, that that time. And he's been great, um, you know, and, and just being supportive, you know, and, and and obviously we've chatted a couple of times here and there about, you know, the process and, you know, it's just great, man. It's just great to have him, you know, coming back obviously for a 20th season, you know, as well-deserved. So, you know, uh, again, you know, it's it, it looks back into how it all started for him, you know, and now coming to an end, I think people will understand is like, you know, where he's he's got his heart at. No doubt. <clears throat> One thing I wanted to ask you, man, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm the, the producer here for Sports or So-So. So-So couldn't, you know, be on the call right now. But, um, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, a technical standpoint and, and you know, direction, you know, you being the director of this film, what was that experience like, man? How was it putting a project like this together? I know that you're, you know, you're, you got your, your roots tied to Miami, you know, you obviously you're, you're tied in with FIBA. So you have, you know, you have a passion for basketball and everything. So tell me a little bit about the inspiration for this project. Look, the inspiration came from, you know, obviously I was born and raised in Miami. I played high school basketball here. You know, I played against some of these guys here and there in either summer leagues. I did play at Miami High, you know, in the asylum with no AC at one point, you know, because that that was the gym infamously known for no AC. Um, and, you know, it, it just came back to kind of me being in this business for a very long time, media business, you know, um, you know, working at a couple of big time networks um, throughout my career. And, you know, want, me wanting to tell a story from Miami that needed to be told that was close to close to my heart, you know, and kind of close to basketball, which is my passion. And I just took it from there. You know, I kind of, like I said, wanted to tell a story that had never been told, but should have been told a very long time ago. I needed to be told and the right way. You know, like I mentioned in a couple of interviews, you know, a lot of people know uh, what happened in 98 with the allegations and the scandal and this and that. But nobody ever talked about what good came out of Miami High, you know, because that is a stain that everybody remembers. So that's a thing that everybody remembers, you know. Nobody looks back at like these guys became pros, these guys became cops, these guys became firefighters, these guys became lawyers, these guys became everything, you know. These guys became a lot of different things that people were like, man, you know, that's crazy that they became all this, you know, under a small basketball program and guidance from Shaky and Frank, you know, who were like the two guys that were always there coaching 24 7. And of course, their assistant coaches were, which were part of the team and family. Let me ask you this question. How this is for my own personal knowledge because I don't keep up with high school sports enough. But how is Miami High today, 20 years later, you know, from the last that, that they were dominant and all that stuff? How, how are they? How is that program today? Well, it's getting it's getting back on the map, you know. Um, you know, obviously UD just had his his um camp inside Miami High, you know, inside the asylum. Um, but of course, it's it's different. The landscape has changed, you know. The landscape has changed in, in high school basketball, period, not just Miami High. Um, before I think it was more like, you know, Hey, you know, you go to the school, this is your school and you try to make something out of it. Now with the whole thing of like transferring and prep schools and academies and private schools, it's, it's difficult, you know, to gauge what they are, you know what I'm saying? But they're good. You know, Miami High, Miami High is good. You know, they're, they're one of the top teams in Dade County, you know, but I, you know, it's just, again, they won't, there'll never be a, 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 a time like that was, you know, from Miami High, from Shaky to Frank. There just will never be. 
I can't imagine, man. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit younger than you guys and you and Soso and stuff, but you know, I I obviously I live in the nostalgia of of the the great times that were, you know, the the 80s and 90s in Miami sports, and I can't imagine, you know, having the the Hurricanes doing what they're doing, and then you know the Dolphins, even though they never won a Super Bowl, having Dan Marino and had that being their glory years, and then locally at down at the, the high school level having a team like Miami High being so dominant, man. Uh, is there like do you remember or recall a time where you know all three of those things were going on that people were probably choosing to go to a, a, a high school basketball game over anything else well you'll see in the film go when you okay. go check out the film you'll see it and it's actually talked about during the film you know we talk about how at that time you know nobody could believe that a high school basketball game would be sold out or you know you know everybody would want to go to a high school game rather than a football game or they were at the same level, you know what I'm saying? And obviously football is king, you know, football's always been dominant here, you know? Right. But at that time, you know, you'd have Miami High selling out the old Miami Arena, you know, or have 10 or 11,000 people in the old Miami Arena, you know, for a high school basketball game, you know? That's crazy. Exactly. And you'll see that in the film. You'll see it in the film. You'll see the crowds. You'll see, you'll see people talk about it. You'll see like, yo, we're selling out. We're selling out for a high school basketball game. And that was early on in the Heat's, you know, franchise history, which I'm sure they were struggling to get people in the seats because it was an up and coming franchise. Whereas this Miami, you know, high team was just falling. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a there's a there's a good correlation. There's a good correlation there where obviously, you know, a couple of people talk about the Miami Heat and how they were just starting off and how they're trying to find find their their identity and their and their and their fan base. And Miami already, Miami High already had theirs, you know, like Miami, it was like, you know, Miami High, it was a culture already there, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, you know, state championship or nothing, you know, which is similar to what Miami Heat have now, you know, which is funny enough. But like, again, like I said, at that time, it was Miami High, man. It was all Miami High and, you know, everybody who played basketball here or went to Miami High or went around the area of Miami High or even played against Miami High, you'll know, you know, they'll know, it'll be like, damn, it was all about Miami High. Like people would be like, we got to play Miami high. It's crazy. You know, I don't know how we're going to do it. So that's awesome, man. Hey, one thing, uh, so, so definitely wanted me to ask you about, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of background on this, but he mentioned, uh, he, he said, ask him about Steve Blake in that 97 season. Well, look, uh, Steve Blake, you know, he, he obviously played in Killian, you know, and then he went to Miami high after that. Um, and then I think, you know, no, nah, I don't think, but I know then that's when like a lot of people started kind of asking the questions of like, why are, you know, Miami High getting more stars and what's going on and stuff like that, you know. Um, but yeah, he was he was part of, of the 1998 Miami High team who also won a state championship with UD, you know. Um, and yeah, look, at the end of the day, like the guys say, you know, if if you want to win, you know where to go, you know. And, um, you know, Frank Martin said it best. Like, he's like, um, you know, you want to send your kids where they become winners, you know. Who wants to raise a kid that's a loser? You know, you everybody wants to raise a winner. You know, like we're, if we're not raising kids to be positive and winners, then what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? And I think that that message send, says a lot, you know, given what they wanted to do and be part of, you know, not just people outside, but the coaches and the players themselves. You know, they were like, if I want to win and if I want to get far in life, you know, that's where I want to be. You know, I want to be there, you know, because I'm going to win and I'm going to get far in life. You know what I'm saying? And if you're in, if you're in it, you really ain't about that, then what, you know, what is your purpose? You know what I'm saying? Right. No, and then you see that more and more now. You know what I mean? If 
if you see that there's a better opportunity for you or a better fit, I mean, guys are, are willing to take that now uh, to, to, to get that win. Like you said, I mean, I know that, you know, over the last 20 years or so, there's been a, a whole participation trophy generation that's been going on that it makes it okay to not win, but true competitors at the end of the day want to win. Yeah. True competitors want to win. True competitors say, I got to get better. You know, true competitors say, what do I got to do to get better? You know, what I got to learn to get better, you know? And I guess, you know, it feels the same way just because, like I said, um, you know, the coach that coached me in high school came from Miami High. You know, he was an assistant coach there. So it kind of became part of me, you know, it became part of my DNA to it's like, nah, man, I want to win. Like, I want to be the best, you know? I don't want to be like second to best, you know? And if I lose, how do I become the best, you know? That, that's, that was just always, always instilled. Yeah, it's definitely a reflection of the times. I think uh, I think those were better days, man. Especially, <laughs> I looked at you guys have a, a ton of merch. My favorite part about your merch is just like the fact that they're like little pieces of time capsules, right? Yeah, and yeah. All these like pictures and stuff from the the '80s and '90s and stuff, and it just kind of here in Miami, which that's my favorite part of it. You know, no pictures, or whatever. But when it's relative related to something that we we live every day here in Miami, it's like man, that 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 hits close to home. This is what we missed out. You know, being the younger generation, that's that's what was going going on so t- tell me a little bit about the, the we were talking a little bit before the show but uh about the merchandise that you guys have based around uh the asylum and, and all the content that you guys have from back in the day yeah so the merch was an idea of our of our marketing guy you know that he came on board a couple couple months ago maybe a year and a half ago almost two um and you know he had a great idea he's like hey man you know let's create kind of that nostalgia you know around the merch you know let's kind of create um that 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 vibe of you know back in the 80s and 90s like you say and he came up with a good idea and you know he's like let's see what you know what we have which was in the catalog because we have a ton of pictures we have a ton of video we have a ton of everything man we have too much too much footage per se and he came up with those concepts those ideas and you know we're like all right let's run with them you know people have been interested you know like i said before the show we're donating um all the proceeds to the miami high alumni association so it's going back to them so you know um you know, it's it's a great it's a great opportunity for people to kind of like um look back and remember at those times. Awesome. And where can people find that merch you said? And they can find it on the asylum page on the Instagram at the asylum film. Um they have a link and there'll be several links there that you could just hit and it'll take you straight to the page where you could just um cop the merch and cop the gear, man. At the asylum on Instagram and Gable Cinema for tickets uh for the next week or so, you said, right? Yeah, if you Coral Gables, yeah. Coral Gables Art Cinema is the is the place uh to be. Coral Gables Art Cinema will be showing the film um in their theater uh for a good week, week and a half run. Uh there'll be several days, there'll be different times that people can go. So if you guys want to go early, you can. If you guys prefer to go late, late in the night, you can. There'll be different times. I definitely want to check it out, man. I missed out this weekend. I was out of town, but I'll be here this week. So I definitely want to take advantage of that while I can. Um, thank you so much, man. I know you're about to catch a flight, you know, here in a little bit with your your FIBA duties and whatnot. Um, is there anything else you wanted to plug, promote, or mention uh, before? No, nah, man. That, what I will say is, I you know, I'm thankful for you guys to to have us on on as 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 a team. You know, the asylum the asylum crew and cast. You know, I appreciate the time. I appreciate Miami. You know, supporting the film um, like this. You know. And I'm just grateful for for the opportunity and the platform to kind of continue to promote and get the message out there, man. So, um, you know, just any any anything that that you guys need or ever want to hear about, just let me know. 
Absolutely, man. We appreciate that. We're approaching now our hundredth episode here on Sports with Soso, and uh, as we got closer, we wanted to try to invite all our you know favorite guests, our past guests, uh, back on. And this this couldn't have been better timing with you, you know, releasing the asylum and whatnot. So thanks again, Jaime. Man, I really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck to you with with everything, and I'll let you know. I'll hit you up. Let you know what I think about the film, man. I'll keep it one hundred with you. No, for sure, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, no doubt. All right, my man. Take care. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man.